Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I'm the founder of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-Step Recovery Fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any of them either. My hope is that you will find my words helpful in some way, whether you're in recovery or not. Today, we're doing something new. In fact, I'm going to start having guests every 10th episode. It started with my 100th podcast episode when I had a whole bunch of guests. And that worked out so great that I've decided every 10th episode will be having a guest. And I knew immediately that I wanted to invite Gail Ferguson Jones as a guest because she has a podcast, which I'm sure she will tell you more about. It's called The Butterfly Effect. That's B-U-T-T-R-F-L-Y. And it's for people in families of people who are addicted. So she'll say more about that. But one of the things that Gail and I have in common is that we both have a history of codependency. And so, Gail, uh, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. And then um, I'd like very specifically to hear about your journey of codependency. Maybe you can talk about like, what was it that got you into recovery in the first place? And then what it's been like since you've been there and what it's like for you now. Yes, yes. Hi, Barb. And thank you so much for having me. Um, you are a wonderful guest on my podcast, and I'm so happy to, you know, spend more time with you today. Mm. Um, so, yes, we are codependents, which means um, I suffer with the disease, the dis-ease of the lost self. That is what codependency mm. is. And for me, mm. um, it wasn't. Uh, my own choosing. It wasn't conscious because I was born to an alcoholic uh, maternal grandmother and an alcoholic father. And so, of course, I married an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it works. And that's that's why... um, So in my youth, I, I didn't have a self to lose yet. But I was groomed Mm -hmm. and conditioned. Um, So my Mm -hmm. expectations were um, not that it was normal because it wasn't. It was, you know, as a child, embarrassing, hurtful. But these are the people you love. Um, Mm -hmm. So as a child, I didn't have any control. I didn't. I just observed and did Mm -hmm. as I was told and accept it because I had no choice. Um, mm-hmm. Once as a married woman, it took many years um, because alcoholism is progressive. So mm-hmm. things were fine for many years, not perfect, but I didn't see the alcohol, the beer drinking as a problem um, until mm-hmm. my husband's uh, mother died and he turned to alcohol to deal with his grief. And that's Mm -hmm. where I lost myself in trying to get him well, in trying to get him into rehab, in being loyal to a fault, 
and making excuses and enabling, which was different for me because I always I thought of enabling as if I bought alcohol for him or something, which was something I never did in our whole relationship. And we were married for more than 30 years. So um, I thought that because I never bought beer for the house or anything that I wasn't enabling. I, d I didn't, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize I was enabling by being hyper vigilant, making sure he was well, making sure he had everything he needed, getting him to the hospital in time, whenever, you know, I could see th his health spiraling, um, expecting his rock bottom to, to be a wake up call. Um, going to Al-Anon, saying the serenity prayer, but not really accepting the serenity prayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one thing to say. It's another thing entirely to actually accept things. Yes. And, um, and especially that wisdom to know the difference part. That's a tough That's a tough one. And for me, it was the second line. Um the courage mm. to change the things I can. Mm. So I thought I was being brave and courageous and trying to change the things mm. that I, I didn't understood that, that I couldn't change him. I couldn't change the mm -hmm. situation. It wasn't up to me. So, um, I just got more and more lost and not recognizing, but figuring maybe, you know, in hindsight, Maybe I felt that I couldn't do anything about my grandmother and my father, but here was my chance to have yeah. some control. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's in hindsight. At the, But I, I think it was in the back of my mind when I was going through things. So he was um, constantly in ICU. Now, at the same time, I must mention that my husband was very functional he was a senior mm -hmm. vice president of a medical device company. He traveled the world on business. Um, he, um, he, we didn't have financial problems. We had a beautiful home. Our kids are well-educated. So again, all these things made me think, well, if he would just stop drinking. And I was also excusing, which is another form of enabling because, you know, I understand mm -hmm. his mother died and, you know, mm -hmm. he'll get over at some point, he'll get through the grief and, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I'm just going to be patient with him and be by his side. <laughs> and in the meantime, mm -hmm. I stopped what I was doing and put all my focus on him, which is, as we know, mm -hmm codependency. It's also mm -hmm. why codependency is called, um, co-addiction because it mm -hmm. was like, even though I didn't have a drinking problem, I was sharing in all the chaos and dysfunction mm -hmm. that went with his right. drinking problem. So you got the benefits. I mean, excuse me, you didn't get any of the benefits like the right. buzz from drinking, but you got all of the detriments. Oh. Yeah, I never thought of it that way before, but that's a really good way to yes, say that. Yes, yeah. it, 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 um, he became the priority and every, mm -hmm. every negative, every toxic, um, all the toxic damage I, get, I got to share in. But mm -hmm. 
from the outside, everything looked great. Even to mm -hmm. people who knew us and knew he had a problem, it was just, you know, well, what is she complaining about? She has it all. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's the other thing, too, is that I've found, again, in hindsight, that when we, when we prioritize these situations, a lot of it is because we're concerned about what other people are going to think. Mm -hmm. What are other Absolutely. people going to think if I abandon him now? What are other people going to think, you know, we have this great life and, oh, it's just not enough for her. He's still working. Mm -hmm. He still does. And he had a work ethic that was amazing considering his problem, mm -hmm. even whether he had a problem mm -hmm. or not. He had an amazing work ethic, mm -hmm. but that was part of mm -hmm. his denial. Also, his corporate mm -hmm. position was part of his denial. So, mm -hmm. um, and the fact that the corporation, as long as he was doing what they wanted, you know, that, that was a sad fact that really angered me. They turned, mm -hmm. well, actually at that level, there's a lot of drinking going on though, <laughs> with the traveling mm -hmm. and all. Right. So, yeah. um, so I was trying to maintain this, this window dressing of a wonderful life and, um, mm -hmm. my kids had left for college. So I figured they're not living with this. Um, the dog couldn't take it. So he ran away. <laughs> wow. He, Damn. Really he was a little wow. smart than I was. <laughs> he just said, I'm out. Well, yeah. He doesn't have to worry about what other people yes. think. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, yes, yeah. that was a real sign. And and I knew because, you know, the dog used to look at me sometime and I would look at him and we just both of us shake our heads. Yeah. You know? yeah. Crazy. So, so, um, so was there a particular event or something that caused you to go to your first recovery meeting? Oh, well, as you know, the pain is always the thing that makes us rethink. Um, yeah. And when I first went to Alnon, you know, there's a saying that um, suffering without catharsis, without catharsis is, is nothing but wasted pain. So mm. the pain is a good thing. We don't understand that because otherwise I wouldn't have changed. And mm -hmm. um, as I'll explain later. Yeah, who are you telling? Agreed. That's a really good way to say that. Without the pain, I wouldn't have changed either. Excellent point. That's yeah. right. And, you know, as I'll explain later, um, what comes out of that pain if you go into recovery, because it's called recovery for a reason. Um, recovering my lost self turned out to be such a blessing. And actually, without the mm -hmm. experience, there's so much I wouldn't have learned about myself, so much I wouldn't know about myself. Um, mm -hmm. So recovering myself was really important. But the pain, mm -hmm. um, like I said, was just, my youngest daughter was still at home, the dog was here. We would just take turns, whoever's turn it was to deal with his craziness, the other two would leave the room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just like that. Mm -hmm. It was that simple. If it wasn't, mm -hmm. if it was my turn, the dog and my daughter would leave. If it was the dog's turn, mm -hmm. me and my daughter would leave. 
it was um so I went to Al Nan. I took my daughter, but at the time she was too young and they didn't have an Alateen in the area. Mm-hmm. Um so mm-hmm. it was a little over her head. But once she, but then she went away to college, so that was that was that. Um mm-hmm. I really wasn't ready. And that happens with some of us. We can start twelve mm-hmm. step mm-hmm. because I was still in the thinking that he had to change. I didn't recognize mm-hmm. there was anything about me that mm-hmm. I was blaming him for everything. And of course his drinking wasn't, I wasn't to blame for that, but mm-hmm. how I was dealing with it, he wasn't making me lose myself. I just surrendered my own power. And mm-hmm. that's what I came to understand, but it took a few years. It took a few years and a, um, a diagnosis of PTSD. Wow. That was the turning point. Um, okay. I thank goodness. And I advise anybody to do this, who lives in these kind of situations, let your, your primary care doctor know what's going on at home, not for her to be a therapist, but there were physical things, health issues Mm -hmm. that were coming up, hypertension, um, uncontrolled weight gain, a lot of things coming up that we were working on and we just couldn't get anywhere. And I told the doctor what was going on at home and she was so supportive. Actually, she was the first one that referred me for Al-Anon. Oh, good. Good yes, to know. She was yeah. the first one. And then other doctors in her practice were the first ones to refer my husband for AA. Not that he mm-hmm. did it, but the doctors knew. Okay. And so mm-hmm. um, I was able to work, um, you know, HIPAA laws weren't that tough back then. So even his mm-hmm. doctors, I was able to consult with them and let them know what was going on. And actually, that's how we saved his life quite a few times. He had a few mm-hmm. near-death experiences. So it was pretty bad. But um, the pain um, led to PTSD. And that was a shocking, mm-hmm. shocking diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I And that snapped me out of it. That let mm-hmm. me know I had lost myself and mm-hmm. that that's not who I intended to be and I was going to do something about it. And mm-hmm. so I put together really my own recovery plan and I just took baby steps. I've got um, a therapist who was finally the right, the perfect match for me, because that's the other thing. We try therapy, but every therapist isn't right for us. Right. Exactly. So I found a therapy practice of, I was using employee assistance and they were Mm -hmm. aware of, um, my husband's problem. So they understood Mm -hmm. the type of therapist I needed. And they referred me to an all female practice where, um, the practice referred you to the therapist. They matched you with somebody. They did an orientation right. and matched you. And she was perfect. Okay. And she supported me every step of the way. And so I started with meditation just to calm myself and deal mm. with the hypertension and deal with just feeling overwhelmed all the time and journaling 
was the mm-hmm. next step with that. So after I meditated, I would just cry, 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 and write down all the things that I had accepted, really, and just mm-hmm. declared, I'm not accepting this anymore. Didn't mean mm-hmm. I was getting a divorce, but I finally came to understood what they were trying to say in Al-Anon. Even if you decide mm-hmm. to stay, you can recover yourself. You can get, mm-hmm. I could get a grip on myself, even though I couldn't get a grip on mm-hmm. him. And that's mm-hmm. what I realized I needed. You know, I was, I was still intent on keeping my family together, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I was intent on getting me together. You know, when you just said, um, get a grip on myself, even though I couldn't get a grip on him, I had this visual of we're trying to literally grip on someone else. And because we're gripped on them, we can't grip ourselves. So we have to let go of the other person and the outcomes and being, you know, tied to what other people think. And so we can literally get a grip on our own selves. I never thought about that before. That's a pretty powerful visual. Yes. And and that's what it feels like too. It feels like you're gripping. Mm. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, when I first went to Al-Anon, that's what I was feeling. Like I was white knuckling it, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I didn't, I didn't understand. I was blaming Al-Anon for that feeling, but it was me. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. It's just that Al-Anon made you aware of it. Yeah. Yes. It was me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so from, um, Really, the journaling was so powerful, so, so powerful. And then I I found, I came across Melody Beatty's book, Mm -hmm. Codependent No More, because I had never heard that term. And Mm -hmm. then I could put a name to who I was once I saw the traits. Right. Yeah, I remember the first time that I learned um, that I was codependent. I had actually, I might have told you the story, but I was in therapy talking about this homeless friend of mine that had practically started living with me. And I, in mid-sentence, went, oh my God, do you think I need to go to Al-Anon? My therapist was like, yes. And I don't know what I searched for on Google. I was looking for Al-Anon, but I came across the word codependent and I was like, whoa, what? How have I never heard this word before? So that really changed everything for me to understand there was like this, I'm going to call it a syndrome. I don't know technically the definition of a syndrome, but there was this syndrome of traits. And I was like, me, 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 me. Yes. Yeah. Once I, um, and it was a relief, a relief to know this is a thing. Yeah. And there's a recovery program. It was, it really was. Um, because before even in Al-Anon, I went through all three of the books were my daily reading. I, um, one day at a time, mm-hmm. courage to change and hope for tomorrow. Um, first thing mm-hmm. in the morning while I was in the bathroom, while the kids and my husband were getting ready, I was reading that book, but I learned more about alcoholism than I did about myself. And gotcha. so once I came across Melody Beatty's book, that's when I understood. And my therapist, she wasn't that aware, but she, like, again, she supported me. She supported me. Mm-hmm. So once I mm-hmm. did that, then I switched to Codependence Anonymous. And that's mm-hmm. where I recovered myself. That is where I found Great. my lost self. Because when we went over the 12 steps, 
uh, the 12 traits of codependence, it was like looking in a mirror at myself. Yeah, <laughs> the need yeah. to control, the saying yes when I mm -hmm. wanted to say no, the um, you know, uh, making excuses. Not and a big one mm -hmm. was not being able to accept compliments. I would have never thought of that. I was an mm -hmm. award-winning journalist, but I was always downplaying that. Like I was almost ashamed mm -hmm. of it. Anything I accomplished, right. but I was quick to. Um, to mm -hmm. boast about my husband's accomplishments. Right. That was one right. that, you yeah. know, there's so many little things that we don't even notice yeah. about ourselves. Not being able right. to take a right. compliment and accept it graciously. Right. Always saying, oh, no, right. no, you know, this old dress, no. Right. That, right. You know. Right. It's just another example of the focus is not on myself. Like, I, I, it's not just I don't want to put the focus on myself. I can't. I'm unable to put the focus on myself. And I suspect this is why journaling was so helpful to you because there's nobody else yes. involved. <laughs> it's just you. So you are keeping the focus on yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and part of it, I, I came to understand. Then I started seeing because my mother was raised by an alcoholic mother, I started to realize that her codependent traits which of course she would never see, but I noticed how I was a perfect fit for falling into that mm -hmm. with my own husband. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't to, you know, a judgment about my mother, but it was how mm -hmm. it did get kind of passed down, how she ended up with somebody mm -hmm. that was, you know, alcoholic mm -hmm. and, and how mm -hmm. she and my paternal grandmother, they kind of groomed me into codependency. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I was, I was, the relationship, the way I was handling my husband, my relationship with my husband was based on all of that history. Right. Yeah. Your mom taught you how to be a wife by being the wife of an alcoholic and the daughter of an alcoholic. And she yeah, was a sure. very dutiful daughter to her mother. Right. And I saw the right. abuse she, you know, went through. And so mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it seemed natural because, of course, my grandmother didn't live with us all the time and neither did my father. Mm -hmm. I just went through a lot of mm -hmm. disappointment with him. But, you know, in my book, which is coming out this summer, um, it's oh, still untitled, but this is the editor right oh, now. Okay. Um, but okay. you know, I tell about how my father always, when he saw me, when we did have time together, he always just had this look of love in his eyes, even though I knew it was a little alcohol behind that look, but he would just be, <laughs> you know, just make me feel so loved and special. And yeah, yeah. the first time that I met my husband as an adult, um, he had that same look. Now there was beer behind uh, that look too. <laughs> okay, you know, so okay. you were like, I know this <laughs> yes, look. And I yeah, liked yeah, it. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was very familiar and also full of love. Yes, so, yes, yeah. for for yeah. Uh, you know how for how they loved. You know, mm -hmm. it's yeah. So I think um, what I'd like to hear now is you've talked about I've recovered myself. So, and you said um, that if it wasn't for this recovery, you wouldn't really um, be where you are now. You wouldn't have the kind of life that you have now and you wouldn't know yourself the way you do now. So what are the, some of the things that you either discovered about yourself or perhaps created with your newfound self? Well, what I did was I, now um, by this point, 
I had left my journalism career. You know, the newspaper industry was going down the tubes. So mm-hmm. I jumped off. And plus, it was too much stress. Um, I was a news bureau chief, so I was um, had the responsibility of a whole staff of reporters and photographers. It was just still having a kid in high school, uh, you know, a husband. Yeah. We never knew what was going to happen. So it was just mm-hmm. too much. Again, I lost mm-hmm. myself. <laughs> you know, I gave up mm-hmm. my thing for him. Um, right. So I... Um, but I took, it gave me time to figure out what was going on with me. It gave me time. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I have no regrets about that because I needed the time to step back and focus on Gail and mm-hmm. what am I going through? What is happening here? Like I said, because mm-hmm. I didn't always live with my grandmother or my father, I had never lived with it on a daily basis. So that's what made this different. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why it was easier for me to step into this too, because I never had the daily, you know, it was like, you know, I saw my father when I saw him and mm-hmm. I was happy for that time. And then he was, all, you know, so it was very different. So I set the intention of getting well. And in that, I first went, I decided I wanted to learn to meditate. And in my Christian upbringing, my mother had told me years before I said I wanted to learn meditation. And she told me that it was of Satan and I was going to go to hell. So I didn't do that. (laughs) Wow. I didn't do it. Yeah, so, I can see why. Yeah. So um, I told my therapist that um, I had read something Deepak Chopra had written about addiction. And so I decided I want to go to the Chopra Center outside of San Diego. Oh, nice. And, um, and, and explore this. Uh, what happened was I became more open-minded about things that I was very shut off from before. I had this gotcha. conditioning okay. and what I learned mm-hmm. was that prayer is talking to God, but meditation is listening. It's mm-hmm. real simple. Absolutely. It's not any, yeah. myst- it's, it's mystical if you want to call it that, but it's yeah. just a simple yeah. relaxing yeah. and just quiet in your mind. And I have been mm-hmm. used to being on deadline every day and juggling a house and mm-hmm. children. I needed to learn how to just pause and start and my relax. day yes, without yeah. going to the news first thing in the morning without. Mm-hmm. So I started new practices of meditating first thing in the morning before I even let the world in, then journaling and praying, having a real prayer mm-hmm. practice, which was sporadic mm-hmm. before, which was, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. it wasn't, I didn't know how to pray in the affirmative. So I said I started mm-hmm. exploring that type of thing. And then mm-hmm. I um Codependence Anonymous just really changed my life. It really changed my life. Mm-hmm. I do I you know, I'm one of those people that believes that twelve steps should be for everybody. You shouldn't have to have <laughs> this problem. The the right twelve step, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, you just learn about yourself in a way that we're not conditioned to do in our society. We're chasing so many things, you know, we're chasing everything outside of ourselves and even Mm -hmm. how we look at our higher power, 
is God, give me this. God, do this for me. God, can you help me with this? And I was never really comfortable with that, but that's what I was, that's what I had learned. But this Mm -hmm. just sitting quietly and listening for the voice of God just really Mm -hmm. led me step by step. And I started taking trainings and I started um, just being open to different spiritual practices and concepts Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. joining different groups that were more my tribe. And those all led to opportunities to travel the world. I've traveled the world. And before I really only traveled with my husband mostly, but Mm -hmm. now that, you know, and he never questioned, I always had the freedom to do whatever I wanted, but I didn't take advantage Mm -hmm. of that. So now I didn't even ask him. I said, oh, I'm going to Egypt. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm going to Bali to write my book. I'm going and I would just and meet and I met so many people. In fact, that's when I met Artemis, one of the people that you and I have in common, one a mutual friend. Right. Yeah. Just those. So even that kind of door, which was five years ago, even opened the door to me meeting people like you. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. You just don't know where those doors are going to lead to. But you have to be open. And I was open to, to stop blaming and to take responsibility Mm -hmm. to let go in meditation and journaling. I let go of the resentment, the frustration, the Mm -hmm. anger, all the things, my blood pressure started leveling off, the weight started falling off, all the things that I was trying to fix from the outside. I was always at the gym. I was always in training classes and nothing ever fell off. And the doctor was, yeah. you know, that's why I had to tell my doctor what was going on because we couldn't figure out. And I was getting more and more medications mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. all the answers, God was waiting for me to... Mm-hmm to get to know Gail and <laughs> to let him work mm-hmm. with Gail, mm-hmm. not begging him to fix somebody else. That's, that's great. I love that. That's beautiful. God to get to know Gail and Gail to get yes. to know Gail. So um, if you could take the last couple of minutes and tell everybody about your podcast and you know who it's for and all that sort of thing, think that would be a nice note to end on because I think there's a lot of people who listen to my podcast who would love your podcast. Yes, yes. And I love your podcast too, of course. That's why <laughs> I first called you. Um, so my, yeah. my, I have a program, a coaching, a peer recovery coaching program called The Butterfly Effect, B-U-T-T-R-F-L-Y, which is just a hack to get me higher and separate on the Google search list. <laughs> uh-huh. So you got to no E no and butterfly e and people. Butterfly. Um, and um, this, I, I coach people in the same way that I found my recovery, guiding them along. Mm-hmm. And um, the mm-hmm. podcast was something I hadn't even thought of. And uh, my mother passed last year just before the pandemic broke out. Oh, I'm sorry. So I was kind of between her passing and the pandemic, I was really in a dark place. And a friend Mm -hmm. of mine who was previously um, a radio host, she, and we belong to a Facebook group 
called Sisters Connect for women, you know, who want to be entrepreneurs or, you know, mm-hmm. and we it's a support group and um, mm-hmm. a networking group. And she decided to teach podcasting since we were and do a 30 day training on podcasting since we were, cool. you know, sheltered in place for the pandemic. So in 30 days, I had a podcast up to supplement nice. my program, my peer recovering coaching. And so, as you know, as having been one of the guests, I have a different expert in the field of addiction and recovery, and that's recovery for anything, any family that's dealing Mm -hmm. with not just drinking or alcohol, but um, gambling, eating disorders, um, just some amazing, amazing guests. You have been among Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And really sharing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember I binge listened to your podcast before I was a guest on it. And I was like, wow, I feel so honored to be on this. There's just some absolutely really stunning um, experience, strength and hope on there. Some of whom are professionals and not in recovery and some of yes. them are. But um, I think, is there anything that you have not shared that you would like to share before we go? Um, well, first of all, of course, I recommend 12 step for anybody <laughs> even if you have yeah. um, adult children of alcoholics codependents anonymous um it, uh, there's gamblers and gamblers anonymous narcotics anything um and i also very much recommend find touch getting in touch with your higher power mm-hmm. getting in touch with um spiritual community really growing um, your inner person, not just Mm -hmm. your outer person. Because even for people who have addictions, it's the inner emptiness that leads to addiction. Mm -hmm. It's the inner inner disconnect. It's the soul that is calling out Mm -hmm. for something more than what the world is offering us. Mm -hmm. And so to even avoid getting caught in that trap, um, I don't care what what faith-based uh, teaching, it's all going to lead to something eventually. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. we, our souls need to be fed. They really do. Right. They need to be fed. Beautiful. Excellent. What a beautiful note to end on. I want to thank you again, Gail, so thank much you. for agreeing to be on my podcast and to the listeners remember no one is beyond hope healing is possible and it's never too late to recover thank you so thank much thank you barb thanks for having me that's it for today please share this episode with anyone who might find it helpful If you like what you've heard here, you might be interested in private coaching with me. If that sounds like you, then head on over to barbchat.net, or you can get on my calendar for a free 20-minute consultation to help you make lasting changes in your life, like I've made deep, lasting changes in my life. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change, but I'll coach anyone who wants to be happy, joyous, and free. So if that's you, then go to barbchat.net and get on my calendar. I'd love to chat with you. Please like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. This helps other people find me. Thanks for listening.